We beat Gonzaga. Hang the banner. It was a bad day to be a Bulldog. Yes, it was. Bad day to be a Bulldog. Brandon Johnson. We're back. Blue Collar Unplugged. Episode whatever episode this is. Four. 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 I'm Blake. That's Fathy. That's Jacob. Say hi, guys. Howdy. Hello. Welcome to our Juwan Gary number episode podcast. Juwan Gary. Yes, it is. This is the Juwan Gary episode. Every episode is the Juwan Gary episode. But we're here. We beat Gonzaga. How are we feeling? Incredible. Incredible. I would like to publicly apologize for not having faith in the Tide. And I think Matthew would like to do the same. Jacob is the only man on this podcast that picked us to win, and he was right. Yeah. Congrats, was Jacob. Thank you. I thank you. Great I will pick. say thank you. My specific predictions: I did say eighty-seven, eighty-three. We won ninety-one, you were close. eighty-two. You were actually very close. Hey, I'll, I will take it. And then I said seventeen for thirty-two, and we win from three. It was thirteen for thirty-four. Close but enough. I'm. We won, so I'm good. With not that. complaining at all. Um, Jacob was right that if we score eighty, we win. Undefeated and, and in we didn't class. score 80. We scored 90. We scored 90. 90. We dropped 90 on Gonzaga. Yeah. 91. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, we're going to go around and everyone give me your biggest takeaway from the win over Gonzaga. Matthew. I'll start. Charles Bidiaco was so, so impressive in handling Drew Timmy and Chad Holmgren. Uh, I believe he had six blocks, seven points, eight rebounds, uh, two offensive rebounds. Did score a ton, seven points, but that's he all he was, needs to do. That's all he needs to do. You know, he. He got a little bit of foul trouble, but he played so well on the biggest stage on national TV. It was it was the only game on at the time, right? I believe. I think it was, it was the a only standalone game. It was a standalone yes. game because it was that was like game. championship Saturday, so like yep. Iowa and Michigan was on. Yep, and he like bad football. He stood out along with another freshman, JD Davison. JD Davison had an incredible game: twenty points, four of six from three. A bold strategy to leave him open from three all game. Which I don't blame Gonzaga for leaving him open because his shot hadn't been great all year, but he he filled it up. Now they have to respect it. You have to. I love that because now that's going to open up so many things for him. With if people are like going over screens on him, because if he could just shoot behind screens all day, people are going to start going over, and that's going to lead to him going downhill, and it's going to lead to him uh, putting many a uh, basketball player on a poster. So many. I hope the first one is Dylan Cardwell. I would love to see J.D. <laughs> put Dylan Cardwell on a poster. Absolutely. Or Walker Kessler. That'd be fun, too. Anybody from Auburn. Just anybody. Nice. But I want him to have a poster before that. My my biggest takeaway, honestly, was Jaden Shackelford. And so we saw, we've seen Jaden Shackelford be a great scorer. He's been absolutely wired to score since day one coming into Tuscaloosa. But his first two years... He shot a very high volume, but didn't shoot a very high percentage. And I believe his his freshman year, he shot... Neither year he led the team in threes, because I think John Petty did both years. His freshman year, he shot 35% from three. Last year, he shot 34% from three. And both years, he averaged around 15 points a game. This year, he's shooting 43%. So he's taking that high volume, and he's finally making a high percentage and that's resulting in him being a scoring machine as if he wasn't already. And so we're seeing him average 19 points a game. I would go as far as to say he's the front runner for SEC player of the year. Absolutely. With how he's playing right now. And so my my biggest takeaway has to be uh just his attitude coming back, testing out the waters in the draft, testing out the transfer portal. Nato's convincing him that this is the place for him, and he's making the absolute most of his opportunity. I don't know if we're going to see him drafted. I don't know where he's at on draft boards or his scouting report, but you would have to think if he keeps shooting the ball at this clip and keeps scoring like this, he could be. He's giving himself a shot with yes, how he's he playing. Is. 
I hope he comes back for his senior year, but I don't know how likely that is. But um, I, it, I've been so impressed with how he has shot the ball, especially considering how he uh, hasn't shot at this high of a percentage at all in his career. So that's just, that's very promising to see moving forward. Jacob, uh, yeah. So let's say Jay Davis and our front or our backcourt. Uh, the play has just been remarkable. So between Ellis Shackelford, Quinterly, and JD Davis, we had sixty nine points. Um, so that is very promising. We got a Rothstein uh, best backcourt in the country, which I think is very valid. He's right. Like I don't yeah. know if it's particularly close. It's not. Uh, but that was very impressive. I also loved. Uh, how we were able to play whenever we got in foul trouble last I was year. About to say that, yes. Last year, our biggest, like the recipe for a loss, was specifically Herb gets three in the first half. Uh, and two then, of them were charges, right? <laughs> Most like, of the time, a few other players pick up two or three by the half, and then we are like handicapped essentially. And our all four of our bigs, so Bediako, uh, Gary, Gurley, Gurley, uh, and Darius Miles all had four fouls from like seven and a half minutes on. Keon had three, and none of them fouled out. No, and none of them fouled out. That's incredible. So, and they all like, and you you can't bench them all. So we played them. <laughs> you can't. You're and right. No one fouled out. We played hard, and I will say, hashtag the refs um, out in Seattle. That was rough. It was terrible. I'm, seemed I'm to go by different lie. rules. I I try really hard whenever I watch any basketball game to look at it in the most unbiased way possible, and I unbiasedly thought those refs were terrible. Like, I did you see the tweet that? Uh, Crystal Oates tweeted out with the film of Drew Timmy throwing J.D. Davison out of the box. I did. And then I believe it was uh, Alabama Round Ball on Twitter got Drew Timmy traveling so much on his quote-unquote post move down low. He was he was pivoting, but he was actually just like playing hopscotch underneath the basket and getting an easy bucket because did you know you can score easier when you cheat? Wow. It's revolutionary. Wild. Why didn't we think of that? I don't know. But, like, yeah. if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So good for you, Drew. Which I will say, uh, there was a segment where Betty Ako had a block, two blocks back-to-back uh, on two defensive stops. One was on Timmy. And yes. on that notion, you see the clip. I believe Alabama Roundball on Twitter as well. Great content. Um, hit with the video of Drew Timmy like getting just smacked. And uh, didn't he turn around and complain to the ref yeah, right after? He was like, yeah, what, I what am so. I supposed to do? You know, I the West uh, maybe don't get blocked by a Canadian freshman. Yeah, Pac-12 is soft. The uh, the WCC is soft. So we, Drew Timmy's soft. Yeah. I mean, he's he, actually not. He's really good. He is very good. He's a very technical player. He sent Noah Gurley on, in transition late in the game. I was not feeling good after that. Another thing that I want to point out is the resiliency of this team. Because every time that Gonzaga had calls going their way and every time they would hit what looked like an impossible three-point shot from Rasir Bolton or someone or Strother or anyone like that, and they clawed their way back into the game, they made it double digits, multiple or single digits, excuse me, multiple times in the second half, Alabama was able to compose themselves and then find a way to get both stops and buckets when they needed to. And I thought that was very impressive because Alabama teams of the past would have absolutely folded and lost this game by 10 when Gonzaga started going on that run, on the, the multiple runs that they did. But they put their heels in the dirt, they played defense, they were able to get stops, and then I, I feel like Shackelford was just willing his way to the basket to get layups in the second half. And then on top of that, we had JD, we had Javon both getting 
huge threes at the end of the game. JD Steele, one of the plays of the game. Oh, it what like it, what a read! So he, he looked like a DB. It was incredible. Yeah, like he he got beat, saw the pass, or I th- I think it was a rebound tipped that we like missed the first one going out of bounds, and JD like from the moment the ball was going towards that way, JD went ahead and just like. Picked it off. Like, yeah, because the guy was, was throwing wonderful. it out of bounds, and JD saw the guy he was throwing it to and sprinted, and he's so fast. I wish he had put a little more flair on that dunk, personally. I would have loved he could have like, wind-built it or something like that. That would have been cool. But, I mean, I'll take the two points. When it's a close game, you got to take the easy two points. Yeah, sometimes you do have to make your dunks. You do. Mr. Darius Miles. Mr. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Big Freak. <laughs> Miles. Yeah, However. Uh, but Freak did get the hard hat. A br- brief little detour on Freak. Uh, there's an article, I think it was from The Athletic, uh, where from the Iona game, um, just a so during the game, players would come off the sideline and, like, like why, aren't, why am I not getting the look, like, out wide, like, whoever's on the ball isn't finding me on the assist, and, like, basically coming off the bench and or coming back to the bench and griping it, like, just the people on the court. Right. And uh, Darius Miles in that team meeting that was, I guess, the reason why uh, – the radio interviews went so long. Yes. He basically said, all right, you said it to me, said, and I'll say it to everybody else. I mean, that leadership is insane from a sophomore, correct? Yeah. I did not have vocal leader Darius Miles on my bingo card. Nope. But I love it. It's incredible. that It is incredible that we're seeing that kind of leadership from a sophomore who's also coming off the bench. Miles is going to be a heck of a basketball player one day. He's already pretty good. Yeah, I, He could be like an all-SEC guy in the future. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if he's going to necessarily be a starter at any point this season or next year. Who knows with Brandon Miller coming in and they kind of play the same position. But for the rest of his time at Alabama, he's going to be a very key contributor. Also, getting the hard hat, I don't even know where he got it all from because his stats didn't pop. He got a, four rebounds, Probably two steals. Four dives. Probably a few floor dives. He always hustles. He always plays super hard. Yeah. But very happy for him to get that. Uh, that's just really, really good to see that from Miles. Also good to see the team airing out grievances with each other about their play after a loss. That's very. I think that's very healthy Absolutely. as a team to not carry that into the next game. And and you've seen them like this team already looks. They look really close on the court. Like you don't see like it doesn't seem like we have people fighting with guys for. Uh, like griping about minutes or griping about getting the ball other than like maybe in the heat of a loss, which is understandable. Anyone's going to do that. But this team already does seem like they're clicking very well with a lot of new faces, which is very good to see. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And again, kind of talking towards the like the technical sides at the end of the game, uh, we went up, uh, I believe, 51-35 at half, which was the biggest halftime deficit for the Gonzaga Bulldogs since Memphis in 2009. So twelve John years. Calipari's led Memphis Tigers. Yeah, I mean, an, an incredible team, uh, and that was the last time that that happened to Gonzaga. So came out with a sixteen point lead. Uh, we made it, yeah, made it sixteen. Kind of continued the sixteen. Gonzaga sustained runs, uh, like kept on having those big eight point rushes. Um, there was a period of time. There was so many eight zero runs. Oh yeah, it was ridiculous. Like we were up, but we were always able to instead of folding, we just extended our lead back, which yeah. was great. Went from seventy to fifty-seven, and then they made it seventy-sixty-six, uh, then seventy-four-seventy, and from there that was where we, we got the two three-point yeah. run, two three-pointers, and the JD dunk to kind of put the exclamation point on all of it. Honestly, I think this was the biggest win of NATO's career so far. Oh yeah, and yeah. I think I think it's either this. There's three. It could be. I think it would either be this one, 
the Tennessee win on the road last year, early in the season. I think it was in January um, against, like, number seven Tennessee on the road or the Auburn win. That changed the course of Alabama's season when we beat Tennessee. I it did. Like. It yeah. absolutely did. And so I think one of those three wins, those, those are the three best wins I think we've had under Nate Oates. But this one is absolutely up there. I feel like it's an announcement to the college basketball world that Alabama is going to be competing with the top programs. And I just feel like now with Houston coming up and Memphis coming up after that, there's a lot of opportunities for Alabama to continue to showcase uh, how good they are as a program and to continue rising. And speaking of that, let's move on to talk about uh, the new net rankings that came out. So for those of you that don't know, the uh, NET stands for the NCAA Evaluation Tool, and it is a tool and a formula that the NCAA has. You can find it at NCAA.com, and it ranks uh, teams based on uh, all these different metrics that I don't know and that nobody knows because the formula is secret. Uh, but there are also I know. different – well, good for you. There are also these different um, quadrants that they break down each team's win into. There are four quadrants. And I'm about to – so, for example, a, quad, a quadrant one or a quad one win is considered a really good win in the eyes of the net rankings. Um, and so the a quad one win would be a home game against a top 30 team in the net, a neutral site game against a top 50 team in the net, or an away game against a top 75 team in the net. So it takes how good the team is, also takes into account where you played the team, and it's a really good tool for evaluating how good a team's wins are. Currently, Alabama is ranked 15th in the net. Oh, we went up. We're 14th. We were 15th yesterday. We're now 14th. It also gets updated daily, which I really like. Um, Alabama is 7-1. We are 1-0 in quad one games. And I believe that win is Gonzaga. Yep. We are three and one in quad two games. Uh, Jacob has Alabama's uh, net team sheet up, which shows all of our games and what quadrant they fall into as of right now. Who are our quad two wins? So our quad two wins are Oakland eighty six to fifty nine at home, uh, South Alabama seventy three sixty eight at home, and Drake eighty to seventy one in Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, the one quad two loss um, is. Unfortunately, I own at 68-72. Oakland is 47th in the net, which is very impressive. That is very impressive. I know that Oklahoma State win is probably a lot of that. Yes. Um, It's it's December, the net. You know, it's early with the mathematical formulas, so some of these will kind of sound surprising. Uh, South Alabama is 68th. I own at 60th. And Drake is 87th. Uh, And then Miami is our one. Actually, we have three quad three wins. Uh, South Dakota State, Louisiana Tech, and Miami. At 80, 96, and 123. And Alabama is the only team in the top 75 of the net to have not played a single quad four game. And for reference, Arkansas is 8 0. Six of their wins are against quad four. Quad four wins are um, teams, uh, a home quad four win is a team ranked 161st or worse in the net, which have been six of eight Arkansas games. Um, also, to continue. Uh, talking about like the different quadrants and what the wins are. Uh, a quad two win would be a win against a team at home ranked between 31 and 75 at a neutral site between 51 and 100 and away uh, an away game with a team ranked between 76 and 135. So it's very it's tiered 
and that makes it very fair for evaluating all of these wins. Um, I believe we all have the net rankings pulled up. Initial thoughts about uh, what these rankings look like right now. Would you say Arkansas has played a short amount of quad one games? I would, in fact, say that. Yes. Good. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Purdue number one. I agree with that. Yeah, they, they look I think they're the best team in the country. E- Ed's incredible, Purdue. Yes. Uh, also, Purdue joined the list of all teams that have ever been ranked number one in the college basketball AP people. So good oh, for them. Good, good for them. Good e- for Purdue. Would you like to know who is Boiler on that list up. and who is not on that list of all time? Uh. I believe Alabama is on that list. Is is Blue Blood Auburn on that list? They are actually not on that list. How about oh, that? I would have sworn a Blue Shocking. Blood program like Auburn would have been That's wild. number one in the country at least one time. Wow. How about that? Trivia question. Does anyone know when we were ranked number one? I don't. Oh, goodness. Uh, 80s it was 2000, 2004? I think, uh, yes, 2004. 2004, yes. Under yes. We were ranked number one in 04. Yeah, we started the year off. Did we start? Were we preseason? Because that was our or? Elite Eight year. But we were a it, nine seed or an eight seed. It was the year after our elite eight year, I believe. Two thousand five. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, LSU is ranked second in the net, which I find very interesting. They haven't played a great amount of teams. I guess the the evaluation tool just loves their wins. They have a win over Liberty. They have a win over Belmont, Penn State, Wake Forest. I'm cheating off of Jacob's computer right now. Um, uh, it's all I got. Ohio Northwest or Northwest State of the this week. Uh, yeah, Louisiana they haven't, Monroe they haven't and played Texas that many State. great teams, but I guess they. The, yeah, the formula just really likes them. Anytime you can keep most of your opponents, the most somebody scored on them is sixty three. So mathematically, that is that's favorable, and you know, good good wins. Uh, net rankings, they've got let's see, uh, one quad win. One one quad one, two quad two, three quad three, and two quad four. So fairly balanced. It's I mean, balanced, they're, yeah. They're they're undefeated. They've won their games, kept teams under. Mathematically, sure. I want to look at our team sheet, and I'm trying to pull it up on my yeah. computer. Jacob has it right here. We have a lot. Alabama has a lot of quad one opportunities, which is very very impressive. We have. I believe we have. Could you count those out for me? We have 13 quad one wins, and we've played one of them. Or 13 quad one opportunities, one quad win. And we've only played one of them. Those those other opportunities consist of two games against LSU, Houston, Baylor, Tennessee, Florida, Colorado State, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Memphis, two games against Auburn. As of right now, all fall into quad one. And I also like how, with the net rankings and all of the different uh, wins falling into the quadrants, they move around based on like as the rankings change throughout the season. So unlike uh, like in football when people think you have a top five, a top 25 win when you play that team and then it changes, uh, with the net, the wins will shuffle between the quadrants as the teams shuffle in rankings, which I really like. Yeah, it's, it's very effective. Alabama has so many opportunities uh, to continue to move up, and they've already made huge strides with this Gonzaga win. And this Houston win coming up, is uh, definitely a quad one opportunity. Houston is currently ranked fourth in the net. They're ranked, I believe, 14th in the AP poll. Yeah, they are a little low in AP, uh, which is interesting. We, we did crack the top ten. We forgot to mention that we are now number nine. Uh, number nine. Look at that. That's big. I think what was the? I think we got up to eight last we year. We got up to five last we year. We got up to five. Yeah, five, we, we finished, finished five. Best. We were fifth. five okay, we in the final right. AP poll last right. year because yeah. we are on the brink of a one seed. Yeah. But Houston, let, let's talk about that game a little bit. Let's talk about Houston. Uh, they're they're fourth in the net. They have um, 
They're 0-1 in quad one games. Uh, let me look Watch up Wisconsin. And one more thing on the net. Uh, yes. Alabama has the average opponent net ranking of 71. Now, of all teams, That's good. of 357 teams, we have the number one average opponent net ranking, which basically just means we played NATO's, the hardest schedule yeah, we played in the, hardest the country schedule. so far. Yeah. And we're 7-1. That's incredible. That's really good. Um, let's see. Houston, number 14. They are 8-1. They have... They're 0-1 in quad one games. So that was, that was Wisconsin. a loss to, yes, uh, number 22, Wisconsin. That was in the first round of the, excuse me, the second round of the Maui Invitational. Uh, I do remember watching that game during Feast Week, the best week in all of sports. I love Feast Week. Uh, that game was incredible. Wisconsin's Johnny Davis had 30, I think. Yeah. Johnny Davis Jeez, had 30, 30 of 65. Uh, went crazy. Houston was actually down by 20, I think, in that game. Yes. Stormed back, only lost by two. But um, Houston is led by uh, Marcus Sasser, one of their guards, who, is he a senior? He's a junior. He's a junior. Uh, wasn't he looked at as a possible NBA prospect last year? Or did I make that up? Like a second-round guy? Uh, I think he was, maybe. I think he entered the portal for... Like kind of a review of his game, and, or not the portal, the, the oh, draft he ended the draft. I, yeah. I think you're right. He averaged, uh, he averaged 13 a game last year. He's currently averaging 17 a game. Um, he is a 6'2", 195 uh, point guard, shooting guard, whatever you want to call him, and he has played very well this season. His season high so far, I think, came against Northwestern State, where he had 26. But in a game against Oregon, he had 14. He had 11 against Wisconsin. Um, Locking him down is going to be a big key to stopping Houston, and so who do we who do we think we put on him? I would say probably we will end up putting Shackelford on him. I think Shackelford has shown that he has the the He's best defense well. to handle him, uh, as well as kind of be able to create offensively. What do you think, Matthew? Yeah, I think so too. I think Shackelford for him, he's worked on his body so much to the point where he's a much better defender this year. He is he's a lot bigger, he's big. Yes, like he's legitimately a he strong got in dude. the gym, and it's very impressive. See, I could see us putting Shackelford on him. I could see us putting uh, Ellis on either Sasser or Kyler Edwards. Kyler Edwards is really yes, fantastic guard. I was about too. to want to talk we about We talked Kyler about Edwards. best backcourts in the country. I think Houston's probably like right up there with Alabama. They got Marcus Sasser, Kyler Edwards, uh, Tramon Mark, Jamal Shedd. All those guys are fantastic. Edwards um, is a transfer from Texas Tech, and he he's a senior 6'4 guard. And if y'all have watched any college basketball in recent years, uh, you know Texas Tech was led by Chris Beard, who is now the coach at Texas, took them to um, a national championship game in 2019 where they lost to Virginia. Uh, they've just been a very good program. And Kyler Edwards was one of their key contributors last year. He averaged uh, 10 points a game. The year before that, he averaged 11. So he's been a key cog in Chris Beard's offense for two years. Uh, decided to transfer once Chris Beard left Texas Tech. Uh, chose to go to Houston. And so far this season, he's averaging 13 a game, 35% from three, uh, six rebounds a game. He, he's been very a very constant. He's a very complete player. Yes, very complete player. I would agree. Kelvin Sampson's always going to get the best out of his guards. Yes, you can he always, is. You can question his ethics, but he's a good coach. <laughs> you can question <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Let's see. Who else do we have from Houston? They, they do have a big uh, – with Josh Carlton. Josh Carlton, uh, yeah. From North Carolina, he will be – he's 6'11", about 240, Ooh. 245. So that's going to be an interesting Good matchup, matchup for with, Charles. Yeah, good matchup with Charles. Um, the way that Charles basically bodied the little stick man, Chet Holmgren. Uh, also, Chet only played 22 minutes that game. We 
Are you serious? Yeah. Because he kept on shooting threes because we left him out there. But he went over four, so that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, yeah. So basically, all th- that to say, Charles Bediaco is going to lock down a good big and an average big in Chet. So I think that is a great matchup interior uh, at home with Coleman rocking. Very excited about this game, especially the matchups we've talked about. Go to the game, please. Go Everyone to the game. listening, yes. go to the game. If you're one of the first 500 students, free, free hard hat. hat. Free hard hat for Blue the first collar. 500 students. Look at that. Yeah. Go to the game. All three of us will be at the game. Yeah. Hopefully, I would like to be in the front couple rows of the student section. That's it. It's nine, 9 p.m. tip. Ideal. You've got plenty of time to get 9 there early. 9 p.m. tip. You can you can take a nap. You can eat dinner beforehand. Yeah. And you, be there. Shameless plug. If you uh, would like to get in earlier than the average bear, the average student, uh, join Crimson Chaos on My Bama. Join Crimson Chaos. Do it. Ten dollars. Get a shirt. Get to be there early. Get front row. You get you get what you, want. you get. Entry 15 minutes earlier than everyone else? Yep. If you join Crimson Chaos? Yep. For Alabama crazy. students? Yep. Join Crimson Chaos. It's very well Support worth the basketball team. Be there December 11th. Yes, be there. Uh, another player for Houston, uh, they have a forward named Jawan Roberts, who will be matched up with our very own Jawan Gary. Roberts, I believe, is their leading rebounder, averaging 7.6 rebounds a game, only four points. He's 6'7", 230. Um... Crimson Crossover's very own Hunter Cruz had a tidbit about Jawan Roberts. Where was it? Here it is. Six, seven players. Uh, Jawan Gary has scored on 85% of his shots inside the paint, and he's the only player under six foot seven in the nation with an offensive rebound rate of 15%. Jawan Gary. Yes, Jawan Gary has been an absolute monster for us. Uh, Great having him come back for injury, but if you uh, change that little under six foot seven to include six foot seven, uh, Jawan Roberts also fits into that category. So he gets a ton of offensive rebounds. Um, he makes a ton of his shots inside at a high percentage, and so that matchup for Jawan Gary is going to be very big and very important because when we rebound the ball well, we are honestly unstoppable. And yep. that's been a thing that Alabama teams have struggled with in recent years, has been rebounding. We haven't had a consistent, like, low-post rebounding threat since Dante Hall. Yep. I miss Dante Hall. Yeah. And, like, last year, who, who was our leading rebounder last year? Herb? I believe it was Herb, yes. Yeah, I'm sure it was And Herb. who was second? Petty? Probably? Uh, I don't know if it was Petty. Um, it was a rebound. In games guard. Bruner played in, probably Bruner. Um, I, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if maybe Keon was... Up uh, in that mix maybe as well. Keon, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, off the top of my head, I don't know, but I, I would assume Herb is up at the top. Uh, but Houston, with the matchups that we've talked about, we're going to have to create space on the floor. Uh, that's something we were able to do really well against Gonzaga. I felt like we had so much room to take open shots. Uh, and that wasn't just like, that wasn't on accident. You know, there were a lot of ball screens, there were a lot oh, of things yeah. we did well to create space for Shackelford to hit threes, uh, for Keon to take threes just for people to have the chance to take the shots and get to the lane. So Houston, we're going to have to do that well. They do defend pretty well. Uh, they've, you know, last two games combined against, given that it's Bryant and Alcorn State, but 89 points between the two games. Anytime well, again, you can do that. <laughs> against Bryant, they won 111 to 44. Yeah, it's impressive. That's how many points? I'm bad at math. It's uh, 67. Don't worry, 67. You're right. How'd you do that so fast? I don't know. Good for you. Um, so yeah, they've 
they won four in a row. They haven't exactly played a good team in those four weeks. They killed Oregon. Oregon's bad. Oregon does not count. Dan- o- Oregon's not good. Oregon's got problems. They've they, got to figure out because the Pac-12 with uh, USC and UCLA is They're going to have issues. Uh, then they played Northwestern State. They played Bryant. They played Alcorn State. So it's definitely going to be a tough game for them. Uh, it's going to be a tough game for us. I'm very excited for it. Do we have score predictions once again? Ooh, I'm going to say 87-83 Alabama. Okay, okay. Um, I do think we are going to go a little bit lower. I think we might go under 80. I think it might go like 79-74. Okay. 82-75 Bama. Sweet. I think it's going to be like 77-75 with like a minute left, <laughs> and it's going to be Really stressful. Coleman's going to be rocking, though. I'm really excited for it. Does anyone have anything uh, they want to add before we wrap up? Uh, Chet Holmgren is a fraud. Yes. Is. That. That. Uh, Gonzaga is a good team. I know there have been some people who have uh, written that Gonzaga is maybe not oh, as stop, good of a team stop as Stop saying possible. Gonzaga's overrated. They're they're, they're good. They are not last uh, now they don't have Jalen Suggs this year and that's They're not last they're year's a good team, team but they're still they're good. They're a very very good basketball yeah. team. And don't the AP poll recognize yes. that they're still ranked 5th, which is too high. Also speaking but of blue bloods, uh let us once again realize that Nadoats has beat another blue blood coach whether on the court or just by being Nadoats. So Mark Few on the night that you were presented with the Naismith coach of the year award, you were beaten your well, you were beaten at a home game by 9 points. Yes. Speaking of Mark Few, former basketball teammate of Alabama Athletic Director Greg Byrne. Yes. Yeah, that was wild. I did not realize that's that. That's a cool connection. Yeah, it was cool. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode, the Juwan Gary number episode. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at BCU Podcast. We uh, will tweet out whenever every episode goes live. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed. We will see you guys next time. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.